We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Little heads up before the podcast kicks off here. So what you are getting today as the main podcast is actually the instant reaction podcast we did at the end of the Forest game. I thought it was a really good discussion, and we started with a broad overview of what has happened this season, how to think about this season in terms of what's happened recently versus what happened early on, a little contextualizing with data of the run we've been on and maybe why that's happened and where some of the weaknesses are. And then we did get into our normal format for the instant reaction, which is headline stock rising, stock falling. So we'll give you a little flavor for how we do the instant reaction. So I think it's the kind of conversation that when we sat down and we thought, okay, now we're going to do a main pod, we were like, you know what? There's not a lot more to say about the game or about the moment than what we've said. And so here's what we've done. If you're a patron and you're hearing my voice right now and you're going, well, wait, so I don't get another pod? You do get another pod because right now going up on Patreon, uh, we did an episode devoted entirely to how we take the next step forward to try to catch up to City in terms of moves we have to make, both tactical adjustments to what we saw happen late in this season and the additions and subtractions that may be necessary to get there. Maybe not specifically transfer targets and buy and sell stuff. We're going to get into all of that, um, but it's, it's a really nice sort of primer for that. As you probably know, um, myself and Paul are headed to London this week. Uh, Clive and Tim are already there, which is quite convenient. We are going to be getting together with Andrew and James for a really, really special night at Union Chapel on Saturday night. I can't wait to see so many people there. And if you're not able to go, um, you know, there's probably going to be a shindig after, just people going out and having a good time. So we'll be in Islington. We'll be around. We'll be at the Wolves game. I hope to see everybody at the Tollington who's going to be going to the Wolves game or just in town on um on Sunday, I believe Scott's going to be in town as well. So hopefully we'll, we'll, you know, a lot of people get a chance to meet him as well as uh, so many other great people. So that's ahead. And that also sort of influences what we've been able to do in terms of a recording schedule. So I think you're going to really like this episode. And I think it's also a, you know, a good example of what we do when we do these instant reactions, even though it was a slightly different kind of instant reaction, because there was a very big feeling after this game, I think of taking stock. And so now attention's turned to the final day of the season and, and we will miss Arsenal when it's gone. So let's try to soak up the last few days of there being a season, that last game. I can't wait to be in the sun, uh, cheering on the boys, giving them a big clap on the lap of appreciation at the end of it all and seeing so many people uh, that I care about and, and that are part of this community. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. As always, whenever we get together, it's a reminder that the people make this whole experience. So uh, I hope you enjoy this. I'll turn it over to the pod. And, um, you know, there's there's just so much that we are thankful for for you being here. So if you want to jump over to the Patreon side to catch the podcast I mentioned earlier, feel free. But uh, here's the main pod for today.
Arsenal do the business at Nottingham Forest to ensure that Chelsea will have to give City a guard of honor. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Alex Pitty. Goodbye, man. Twitter, Yankee Gunner. I think you have to applaud the Arsenal players today who went out on that pitch at Forest and said, we are going to do our part to ensure that Chelsea face the ignominy of giving City a guard of honor. Um, I don't know what you could say other than well done, lads. Maybe you could say a handful of other things. I've got some stats to bring to this pod. I've got some pointed questions to ask these podcasters. But first, I want to say thank you for being a patron, that we love you for being here. Um, I think the emotions at this moment in the Arsenal world, diaspora, will be all over the map. I think there are people who determined before our trip to the Etihad that this was a lovely season, and nothing was going to happen between then and the run-in that was going to change their opinion of that. I put myself loosely in that category. I think there are some people that say, no, we still had work to do. We didn't do that work and are furious and frustrated and drawing parallels between last season and this season. And I can forgive people for that. And I think there will be every shade of gray in between. I can't wait to be in London next week to clap these players for the season they've given us. And I think they will go out on a high against Wolves who have been on the beach for quite some time. Um, although they almost beat Everton today. Uh, and and I, I think that they will give us one last good memory, one last good day in the sun that we can clap them for. But there are questions to be asked. And it's funny, we did I did an unmarked, a solo pod the other day. And my topic was basically, how do we marry up the good feeling we've had this season and the desire, the desperate desire to hold on to that with asking challenging questions about this season? I don't think those two things are incompatible and we'll see how we do it and we'll have a lot of time to do that. But today... We will talk a little bit about this Forest game. We'll do it with Paul. You can find him on Twitter. Pause my pants. Hello, pause. Hello. Woohoo! Yeah. Oh, there's your mic. Yeah. Why don't you eat mic. a sandwich, too? Captain Professional over here. And Clive, you can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Paul's just getting ready for the Union Chapel event by not having a microphone anywhere near him. <laughs> he's, he's doing one last little prep session for that. By the way, uh, if you want to go to the Union Chapel event, check out the Discord channel. Um, live events. There are a couple of tickets changing hands in there. Uh, one gentleman was kind enough to offer his ticket and then say, I don't use Discord, so find me on Instagram. And I'm like, but but you just but you just posted that in Discord. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was funny, but I appreciate that he's uh, looking for someone to take it, and, and I, I certainly hope that it finds a home. So um, I want to just throw this out there before we do headline stock rising and stock falling. I, I, I want to throw out my my tweet, my stat here for you, Paul and Clive. Mm-hmm. Clive, okay. Since the international break, Arsenal have played um, nine games. During that nine games, we are on a 50-point pace. We have picked up 12 points in nine games. We have a zero goal difference. That represents about a quarter of the season, just under 25% of the season. So for roughly 25% of the season, we've been on a 50-point pace. With a zero goal difference, it's um, it is a a run that is naturally going to have people drawing parallels to last season's run in a little bit, and it is influenced as last season was by injuries. I am curious, just from a sort of zeitgeist standpoint, looking at last season, looking at this season, the way we've done the run in, there is a Europa League disappointment in there, by the way, as well. I, I don't think we can just hand wave that fifty point pace. That was us two seasons ago. Zero goal difference. That was an eighth place Arsenal. And we've been that this season for 25% of the season. 
So while I have said at the start of this pod that I will be the person who remembers this season fondly and, and, and loves everything that they gave us when we were at our best, how much will this period of this season weigh on your evaluation of where we are and where we need to get to? Uh, I think I'm with you. It's from a purely football experience and the people that you share it with. This has been one of my most favourite seasons, you know, without a doubt. And I think that's that matters to me because when you go to football, you know, seeing the smiling faces around you, seeing people like you enjoying themselves, it means something to me. To some people who, who don't get a chance to go, thinking, "Oh, shut up, Clive. We just lost to Nottingham Forest." Do you know what I mean? But I can't. Even, I can't. Even, speak my own truth shall we say um but i think post international breaks that's a really good point lie in the sand and i think paul might have said that paul and scott may have done a podcast about it i never spoke about it mm-hmm. the last international break i i think it's an issue for us last season we lost people obviously and we faded away and we have done this season again and and i think that's the that's the room for improvement i think what we did do this year is we got to second. We got to Champions League, we got to second. So basically, we achieved, in the back of your mind as a player, you've achieved what you think you can achieve, given the drop points at Southampton, West Ham, Liverpool. Suddenly you realise that team is not going to give you a chance to come back. And the motivation went. And if you compare some of the ferocity and the ferocious relentless attacking to gain points right until the 96th minute early in the season and then you cast your mind to what you saw today with 80% possession you didn't feel the same hope did you you know and these are the margins by which we live this is why you stand in a dressing room and you try to motivate people this is why you have all these motivational techniques to try to bring that edge out in people and I'm afraid the edge is gone and as a fan you can decide who you want to blame uh, you can want to blame the manager, you can blame certain players. In the end, we've seen a fantastic collective unified squad that's given us good attacking football until we ran out of juice again. And so what do you need to do? And we go to solution mode. So you want to, if you want to fire people into a gun, into the sun, <laughs> you can. Um, if you want to say, I hope we learn lessons and react as a club, which is where I am. Um, that's where I am. I just want us to react. I want us to have a solution. I want us to react. I want us to plan better based on increased expectations and a new requirement because next year people are going to have greater expectations on this team. They've already forgotten that we were going for top four. That was our main goal. And now they're thinking, why don't we come first? We've only come second. We've only got a few more points than last year. What are we playing at? You know, and that's and that's people's right, you know, but that's why I'm here. I just think let's just look, let's make sure we learn and make sure we solution for next season and then we can judge again from next year. Yeah. All right. Paul, I'll ask you the same question. Does the twenty five percent of the season where we've been a fifty point pace team, especially when connecting the dots to last season's finish, leave you with any questions to ask? And I'll only point out that there are some managers that have a worrying trend of starting a season one way and finishing it another. Brendan Rodgers comes to mind. He's a manager that people have seen get hot early and absolutely collapse at the run. And now look, I am not saying Mikel Arteta is Brendan Rodgers or that that is who he's going to be or who we're going to be um, every season. But if somebody wants to point to the last two run-ins 
as an indication that we have problems at the back end of the season. I don't know what you'd raise as the objection to that other than, well, it was down to injuries. But then when we look at the rotation level and minutes played by the squad and all of that thing, you know, it, it all starts to line up. And then you can say, well, he didn't have the depth of squad. And then you can go all the way down the the golden, the yellow brick road, which we don't need to do. But for you, is this, how, how's the gloss on the season looking to you? Is it still glossy? Uh, it's hard from the colors not to bleed into each other. So mm. it is at this moment and emotionally hard to say, oh, well, this end bit of the season, bad. The bit before that, great. These two things are not connected and related and one doesn't impinge on the other and it's not meaningful. And yes, it's two data points. It's last season and this season. Um, so there's not a lot to work with. You could you can draw parallels to last season, this season. You can also draw parallels to it's after the interlull. Uh, we have some injuries. We have some mental pressures in big games late in the season. <clears throat> um, and it's very hard to separate the two things out from each other and keep the first thing, the the 80% of the season or whatever it was, up till we were 2-0 up against West Ham, right until that point, could we... Uh, I, I do sometimes think, I wish I'd been hit by a truck right at that moment. Okay, a real bummer, but if, if it's instantaneous... You should have said something then. We could have, we could have rained something. <laughs> I was quite near the road, right? I was probably about... <laughs> I think I was about 20 feet from the road. You guys could have just dragged me out there chucked me under the truck okay it would have been a miserable 10 seconds as i was confused and wondering why you guys had turned on me because we were two zero up and the season was going great but you were protecting me from what was about to happen next but i wouldn't have known that but apart from that 20 seconds i would have had a glorious time a glorious season a glorious everything i could see our our glorious future and then this thing happens <clears throat> and it's kind of gone a bit sour um the Titanic. The great thing about the Titanic was it was unsinkable. Um, it was designed to be unsinkable. They had containerized and separated compartments all the way along so that if one got a hole in it, um, it was separated from the next one. The only problem was they hit an iceberg which ripped all the way along the side of the boat, ripping open a whole bunch of containers uh, sections. And that st started to capsize it so the water got too high in one area and then started flowing over the and it 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 broke all their models and our set the ability to compartmentalize this season it, it it's got harder and harder with each performance each uh, contained section that gets ripped here it's hard to keep those apart but i think it's still valid um it w a team especially a systemy type team which we are is either better than the sum of its parts or worse than the sum of its parts and when the air goes out of that balloon you're in trouble and it looks bad it looks worse than it would be i mean an 80 percent team being that bad in terms of possession being that bad in the first half almost shows you up um and like something's gone right now and It'll be interesting to discuss either today or in the main pod the choices the manager made. But if he didn't make some choices, he'd get criticized. If he did make some choices, uh, th this team was almost selected by uh, Twitter popularity uh, <laughs> contest in terms of, oh, we got Thomas Party right back and we did this and we did that. You know, he made some changes. He, he tried to stay true to his system. He could have gone away from his system. I don't think that would have been great. He made some changes. It was interesting. You got to say that lineup was going to be interesting. 
Um, but it didn't perform. So mm. he, he's going to get a lot of criticism. And yeah, there needs to be context. And con- the, the problem with all of this is context gets lost because you're looking for simple answers and you're, you're hurt and you're in pain. Uh, there's a lot of context. I'm yeah. going to keep the part of the season. I think the part of the season that was great was real. That's Here's the I'm problem. Saying. If you take all the results this season and just mix them up so they occur all throughout the season... Yeah. And we finish on 84 points, which is where I think we'll finish because I do think we'll beat Wolves. Let's let's just assume that for a minute because things are going so well. Let's just assume we're going to beat Wolves. If we had finished on 84 points with all our results sort of mixed together, everyone would have said, great season. We're, we've separated from the third, fourth race. We're not quite at the title level. Yeah. Would that have been better? Well, we would have lost the euphoric 75% of the season we had. And we wouldn't have had this really depressing last quarter of the season. I'll take the euphoric 75%. But if you look at our point, yeah, Paul. I was just going to say, but uh, maybe you get into this. We, you would lose a big truth by doing that, right? Because you can clearly see that you, if you like the, the ceiling. two sections of the, well, the two sections of the season. I mean, yeah, the, yeah. I, the results all came together for a reason. The good ones for right. a long time and the bad ones for a shorter time. But, but some people will say, this is a 94-point pace team. We just lost players, and, and then we fell apart. Some people will say, maybe the 50-point pace run shows we're really something still in the middle. Let me say it this way. If we finish with 84 points, and you look over the last five Premier League seasons, top four is usually around, third or fourth is usually around, like high, high, high 60s, low, low, low 70s. The title is usually somewhere in the mid-90s over the last five or six seasons. And so we, that's where we are. We've distanced ourselves a bit from that fourth place race. We are not quite at that title level. And over the season, that's probably true. Some people will say we were never as good as the 94 point pace. I don't think that's fair, Um, but it's tough. Uh, Clive? Yeah, it's just about getting a bit of perspective. We've got a top four squad that found itself going for the championship. Mm -hmm. That's it. And when, when when the squeeze came on to win the league we found out we had a top four squad depth-wise. And that's it. So now I need to build a championship squad. And that's the next phase. Honestly, it, it's no point in getting overexcited about it because within when you have a lack of depth in your squad, you make decisions based on that lack of depth. And then if it doesn't go right, the other decision that you could have made is the right decision. Mm. That's when it comes down to it. When you have the right depth, decisions become easier because we've got the right quality. And we spoke the other week about trusting players, right? So, and the manager trusting players. You can see in this game that some of the players don't trust the players. Yeah. Because how right-sided were we? Which tells you we missed our boy. Honestly, it was like watching Fox News. Yeah, yeah, it was. (laughs) (laughs) With Laura Ingram in the house. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's... um, it was so right-sided. We kept turning away from left side because we didn't feel we had a penetration there. I, I don't want to go into the, into the tactical side of things because you guys are not dumb. You you all saw it. So we just need to rebuild to build. We need to add a few more players. It isn't, it isn't it, honestly, I am not going to get overexcited about it. No. When we went to City and we got beaten, and we got beaten good and proper, and the manager said they went to a level we could not reach. That team is potentially about to win all three of the major trophies in the game. We can't go to that level yet. But i tell you what we can do. We can build towards that level. All right, so, and people can look at results. And I'll be there for a lot of the games. I've been frustrated. 
And you sort of, you said 75% the season, but I've not forgotten Chelsea. I've not forgotten Newcastle. I've not yeah. forgotten the first 40 minutes at Liverpool. You know, absolutely outstanding stuff. Right, so within that period, there's still be some really, really good stuff. We just haven't quite been able to to see it off. So next year, let's build a depth so we can manage these moments better and maybe focus a little bit more around peaking in the key times of the season. And that's what I think that's the lessons learned for this season. Yeah, because to be fair, the funny thing is, I said we've been on a zero goal difference for the last nine games and a fifty point pace. But the funny thing is. We scored two at Anfield. We scored two at West Ham. We scored three against Southampton. We scored two against Newcastle. We scored four against uh, Chelsea. We scored four against, who was it first game back from the Nola? Was it Palace? Yeah, Palace. Um, Leeds as well. He, or Leeds. Yeah, Leeds, I think. But but here's the point. Um, there were high moments even during th- this poor run. I think when Nciso headed in last weekend after Kivior got stepped on, I think our season ended. I think from the moment and CISO headed in, this Arsenal team has said we did what we could this season and has basically packed up their bags and called it a day. Because um, I actually think we were well in the Brighton game. I think we had lots of chances. We pressed the crap out of them. We didn't convert. I said on Twitter, during this run, one thing that has changed massively from earlier in the season, we have faced maximum punishment for every error we've made. Kivior gets stepped on and CISO heads in and the game falls apart. Forrest have literally one counterattack and Gabriel kicks it in off the off the striker. I mean, three goals conceded to 1.3 expected against Southampton, three goals conceded to 1.7 expected against Brighton. And today our attack didn't come alive, but I think when Nciso headed in, that's when our season ended. So let's I agree let's, with you. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. But I suppose there's gonna be people screaming at their electronic device now saying, Don't make excuses for him. Honestly. I, I'm I'm with you 100%. It's just yeah. the rhythm of a season. And I think at that moment when NCSO scores, the stadium felt, we can't score two today. Mm. And we need to score two. And that was the issue. We didn't have the energy to score two. Didn't have the firepower to score two. So what's been a, maybe something that's caught us by surprise, maybe, mate, to discuss end of season? Has been the, the belated lack of firepower. Once the energy's gone, once the once the edge has gone, once the cause has gone, it's manifested itself in the goals drying up. Do you see what I mean? And I think that mm-hmm. maybe is a debate to have around our forward power and penetration. The one thing to bear in mind is we collapsed at the end of last season. We went into the summer. We had the preseason of all preseasons, started the season hot, and we're absolutely sensational. So like the idea that there's going to be a hangover from this, I don't think holds up. I do think what is going to be interesting next season, assuming we are very good again, is the run-in will be hanging over us like a specter now. This will be a thing people will be looking at, right? And it's incumbent upon Mikel to make sure he's got all his horses ready to go and fueled up. Do you fuel up horses? I guess with hay or something. <laughs> I, I've been thinking about it. Don't stick actually. a gas thing in, in, a, in a horse. Anyway, yeah, I, ahead, I, worry, I worry about the expectation that's going to come down on us. And I think, sorry, Paul, I worry about the expectations going to come down on us. We know what's coming preseason. We're playing some big teams. If they go well, we're going to be on it. If they don't go so well, wow, this manager's lost a few games towards the end of the season. Expectation is the thing we're going to have to manage. If we do get the signings that come on board, the expectation is going to be absolutely to the sky. Can I give you no, another one? No one's going to be expecting to finish any lower than second. No way. In fact, we've got to be close to first. And it's going to be such a hard thing to to manage next year. 
Uh, that, that's my feeling anyway. We, we may be playing in the community shield too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. so you talk about a tough preseason. We're going to have to play Manchester city before the season even starts. Um, yeah. I think what will make next season very interesting is the presence of champions league because I don't think it'll be good enough to go out meekly in Europe. I, there's going to be a, it next season will be the season. Mikel Arteta will have to graduate to like, I'm here, I've arrived. We're in pot three. We could be playing big teams in the group stage. We're going to have more players. We should be deeper. We should be better. We won't really be able to call Saka and Martinelli and you know Odegaard kids anymore. Like I think next season, but just let me add to that. And I think we will be up to the challenge. I really do. Uh, Paul, a final thought on this, because we should actually cover the Forest game, Instant Reaction, which we're here to do. I'll just clip yeah. this and put it at the beginning of Monday's pod, and then we won't have to do a pod Monday. It'll be brilliant. <laughs> Uh, I just want to come back to this because there's various versions of it. Was the the good part of the season the real thing? The bad part, the real thing. Your point about are we in eighty one? Neither of them are the real thing, Paul. Because quite clearly we are operating in a simulation, and the simulation has been broken for the last several years. Anyway, so yeah, go ahead. Please. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. And then to your point, the eighty one, eighty four. Like, is it, are we in an eighty one, eighty four type of team? And like, we just need to distribute the results, and we're more of a solid like. I would much prefer that we are the team that was brilliant for 75% of the season and fragile for 25% because that shows you what we can do when we're on it, right? I, I, do, I would not, it is not the same as an 81, 84 point team that's an 81, 84 point team throughout the season. They don't reach the highs. They don't show the potential. They don't show what they can do when they put it together and we put it together for 75 80. now we have we've also shown significant fragility there uh but that comes back to the clarity point like everybody knows within the club what we need to fix at this point if they're ever going to know that's the beauty of separating it out here's brilliance for 75 percent Fix the pr- issues that came up in the 25%. And it's not the same as a team that's solidly in 81 to 84. Th- those are two different animals. We played mm. at a 90-something pr- point pace for most of the season, and it was real. The other teams were trying to get points off us. They were trying to win. So, Yeah. All right. Clive, what's your headline from uh, – by the way, consecutive games without scoring. Like The one thing that I, I'll say – that's not who we are. I think that is the clearest indicator that we've just sort of let it fall apart. Because I can explain away all the goals we conceded due to injuries and lineup changes and opposition, by the way, um, for the run-in. But consecutive goals without scoring, like, that is, all, all season long, I think the thing that has buoyed me, buoyed me all season long is how effective our attack has been. Even when the defense started to wane, the the attack waxed. But we waxed off this this last couple of games um, instead of waxing on. Wow, it's going great, Clive. Did can you, you give me a headline? Listen to the skack, by the way. No, I try not to. Yes, we I did a whole wax and wane section. I know, I know. Um, okay. It it's a uh, okay, Clive. Headline, <laughs> please. <laughs> oh gosh! Um, can someone pass Yombre Solaire? Mm. Yeah, because we're. We're ready mm. for Holly. We're ready for Holly Bops. We're ready for Spain. We're ready for sand on our taint. We're ready for Holly Bops, aren't we? And um, I'm hoping. Is there an international break in the summer? Please tell me there's not. There might be. You know, 
I hope for goodness that Southgate doesn't call up Saka, for example. Um, well, I just hope they find themselves on holiday and enjoy themselves. Right? And that's the main thing. Well said. Could be said. Amen. And, and we just need to, in my opinion, the way I've approached this, I've just looked at it and thought, you know what, we're not quite the best team. And I want us to be the best team. And we're not. Mm. So let's just relax. We're not the best team. The best team is the other team that's won the league. Now, what can we do to be better? And I, I, my eyes have been on that for ages now. Absolutely ages. Um, it's so important that we use the fact that we are attractive again to really build this group. In fact, I, w- I think this could be the, the biggest transfer summer, the most important transfer summer, because it's directional. If we try the Peter Check job, which we're not going to, but if we try that season, then we're, we are now, we are ripe to be to finish sixth. Do you see what I mean? We need to go big to even finish in, in the top three and see where we go, you know, based on other people's motivations. I don't think Manchester United are in shape. I know Spurs are not going to be in shape. Liverpool are not going to be in the Champions League, so the rebuild is going to be done outside of that competition. Newcastle will be a challenge, but they'll be facing new experiences in Europe, as will Brighton, as will Villa. So it's down to us to really push. And if we push, we can't, I don't see any reason why we can't be back here again with, with lessons, with experiences, and we've still got growth room. The most important thing for me is we learn the right lessons and add the right players. I think it's very important not to overreact, but learn the right lessons. And these last few games in in your down period, I think are showing us what we have to learn. And so I'm I'm really pretty confident the club are going to see it and learn it. And we'll discuss it all over the summer as the signings come in and the sales go out. And we agree or disagree on the quality of those players going in and out, which is part of the fun. Um, that's going to be what our summer's going to look like this year. And I think it's going to be so important that we leverage on a position that we've built over the last two years. Yeah. I. Well, I, I have my headline ready to go. So I will I will give turn, turn it over to you, Paul, and, and just tee up mine when it is time. Okay. Uh, I just came up with my headline, which is, we should absolutely make sure we learn no lessons from this game. There's nothing worse than taking results and conclusions from a bad study. Uh, this was a very frustrating game. It smelt of capitulation. It was spluttering. It was stuttering. Um, there's a lot to say about it in the moment, but you'll learn nothing in this game. Um, this is not where you'll find your clarity. It, it, it may be an indication of other things that were going on, but like you and I argued, Elliot, briefly on the last part about whether this was a dead rubber. Um, I'm, I'm tending to lean your way at this point. <laughs> you, you didn't think so ahead of it, but after a 1-0 loss, it's a dead it could, rubber for sure. <laughs> yeah, if you win it, it's meaningful yeah. um, because it gets some momentum back. It kills now. Like there was stuff to play for, but as soon as it looked like this was not good, like this is this is why you don't want to be playing dead rubbers. And like it is kind of consequential in that it affects the mood and blah, blah, blah. I still think we'll sh- uh, shake it off pretty quick. But uh, yeah, you had me a dead rubber by, by the time I saw how that first half was going. Second half was better, but 
better relative to the first half. Uh, still don't feel we should have scored a goal. And apparently we didn't score a goal. But uh, like this, at some stage, you got to suspend your analysis and say, these ex- experiments are not being well run. Uh, the conditions in the lab, the temperatures are going up and down. The, the test tubes are starting to get a little funky. The microbes are kind of getting loose in the lab. Like this is not a game you learn any lessons from. Apart from you'll learn something about the run from the run in. You'll learn something about the r- lessons from the games where things were on the line. Newcastle game after Newcastle, but not the game after the game after Newcastle. This is uh, this is a a spoiled experiment at this point from a taking conclusions standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, my headline is it may be totally impossible to evaluate this game accurately. I don't, I mean, so many things about this game are so weird that I don't know what to take from it. Thomas Party, the position he played, Kibior playing left back, but more like the way Ben White plays left back, with Party playing right back, but more like maybe the way Zinchenko plays right back. And, you know, it, it just, it was a, a mix and match team. I mean, I don't know exactly where everybody was playing. And and then and you have Jor- Jorginho in the party role and and but Shaq, I like it was it was a very mix and match team. And then you combine that with Forrest needing it more than we do, and you combine that with them getting a lead to hold on to. Because I thought the analysis of the first half was pretty bad on social media. People thought we stunk. I don't think we stunk in the first half. You know, we were playing some really interesting little triangles on the right-hand side. Jesus was making some good runs. He was holding the ball up. We, we just never quite got the last ball. That's why I get, said spluttering, stuttering. There was stuff yeah. there to work with, but there was no flow, no move. We couldn't string it together. Yeah. The second half, though, the thing that is so hard to understand is how players who are this good can be that bad at things that they are never that bad at. The close control in the passing was horrible. The worst I've seen all season. Pass consideration. Balls rolling to a stop one yard before they got to the player. Players trying to trap the ball and having it bounce up to their knee. Just really poor passing and pass consideration. And like the tempo, not switching it quick enough. Everything about the way we played in the second half really was sort of sombrero football. And so trying to draw any conclusions from this game is going to be fraught by the fact that we tried a new lineup with players in new positions, with players maybe being focused or not focused, all of that is hard to say. I definitely believe that you could see on that pitch some players who do not look like they have it anymore. They just don't have it anymore. And yeah, we got punished. Martin Odegaard gives the ball away for what seems like the third or fourth time in four games running in a bad position, and we get maximum punishment from it. And once Forrest had something to hold on to, we were done. Um... I don't think this is a 50-point pace team, by the way. I don't want to say that my stats early on suggest that. I just think post-Etihad, we've been playing dead rubbers, whether we wanted to admit it or not. And everyone kind of knew that. And that is a really hard position to be in. We lifted ourselves for Newcastle because on a one-off basis, we had revenge in our mind. But I, I think it has been hard to do that following that. Um, my, my biggest takeaway from today is just, it's kind of a shame because I hope people won't let their love for this season wane too much, not to go wax and wane again, but wane too much in the wake of a run that's fairly disappointing. 
The hardest thing we will do, and I hate to be redundant, but it is literally my brand. The hardest thing we will do over the next few months is try to coldly and calculatingly analyze this season without giving up the love and connection we've had to this team just because they had a bad run in. Um, everyone will balance that differently. I just hope people give each other the space to to weigh that differently. So let's do some stock risings and stock fallings. Um, but before we do that, we better sneak this in first. And that is a mention that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. There it is. Hey, you, you didn't think we were going to forget, did you? Well, we haven't forgotten because mental health is very important. Um, I would suggest that we, as a fan base, could use each other to be there as a support for one another. But sometimes having each other isn't enough or having a partner, having a family member. Sometimes it's about getting the professional help and not a help that's necessarily about crisis management, but sometimes just about being the best version of yourself, being the healthiest version of yourself. And BetterHelp can you know, provide you almost like that user's guide for, for life, you know, just working through issues to get them corrected. It is flexible. It is on your schedule. It is in your home. If you want it to be, you don't have to get in the car and drive to an office, camera on camera off, find the person that fits for you, get a licensed therapist, maybe in the specialty that you need. If there's a special area of expertise you need that may not be available in your area otherwise. So better help really is the way to make Mental health normalized, right? Normalizing access to mental health and, and doing it affordably and conveniently. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash vision today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash vision. And I've been getting a lot of questions for the promo code for Shady Ways. I think it's because people are just starting to see these Shady Ways glasses around all over the place. So let me start by saying the Shady Ways promo code at shadyrays.com is arsenalvision all one word, Arsenal Vision, and they have it written in all caps here. So you may have to use all caps. It is 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. So it may be the case um, that whatever you're looking at is polarized or not polarized. Get the polarized glasses. It's going to be better for your eyes anyway. And then uh, two plus pairs, you get half off. So it's buy one, get one free, basically, um, with the promo code Arsenal Vision. And that's all capitalized. Now, a couple reasons to, to go to Shady Rays. They got all the different styles. They are backed by 30-day risk-free guarantee. So if you don't like them, you can exchange them for a new pair, return them for free within 30 days. But here's the thing that's really incredible. They have a lost and broken replacement policy. I mean, if you can find amazing glasses, sunglasses, and someone promised you, you will never, ever, ever, ever need to replace them. You'd never replace them. The problem is you do need to replace them. Why? Because you break them or you lose them. It's why we buy new sunglasses. Most of the time, we're not like, oh, I'm just bored of these sunglasses. I want new ones. Maybe sometimes. Most of the time, it's because you lost them or broke them. They're giving you a lost and broken replacement guarantee, which is amazing. So go to ShadyRays.com, use code ArsenalVision for 50% off, two plus pairs of polarized glasses. Try for yourself. The Shade's rated five stars by over 200,000 people. And now that your mental health is good, you are primed to be outdoors in the sun, right? Protecting your eyes and looking classy. Now you want to make sure your body is in the best shape it can be, and you do that with AG1 from Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food store superfoods, adaptogens, probiotics. I take AG1 because I wanted gut health. That was important to me. It has helped me for that. I start my day, a little AG1 and some water, and boom, I'm feeling good. I am relying on less coffee, right? You still hear the same energy, but less coffee, which is nice. I still drink it. Just don't need as much. Great for before workouts, great for after workouts, great for getting to bed at night. It's because it's providing you all the things you need. And if you have gummy vitamins in your house, I'm just telling you, go to the cabinet, look on the back of the container. You're going to see 
first ingredient where it says other ingredients is going to be like corn syrup or sugar or something like that because that's what they are. This is keto-friendly, vegan-friendly, dairy-free, low sugar. It's a great lifestyle choice. So let's do it. Let's get healthy. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. We'll be taking them with me to London in just a matter of days. Go to athleticgreens.com slash vision. That's athleticgreens.com slash vision. Check it out. Elliot, is that enough of that? Indeed. Nailed it. Thank you. Paul, who do you, who do you have as a stock rising? I'm very curious to see where we Martin go Martinelli. Yeah. It's funny. He was mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I was almost going to go to Twitter and say, give me something, guys. And then I'm like, no, it's Martinelli. Like we're just not the same with, without him on the left. I mean, this was the starkest example. I shared that heat map on the Twitters that looked like some weird collapse thing. It was all on the right. Uh, you know, party is going to lean to the right. Jorginho at the end of the day is right-footed. And like, that's great. You do some rondos and then you whip it. You switch it to the left where Martinelli's on the wing waiting to come in behind. And like, but Trossard was in the center or mm. in the left eight spot mm-hmm. or in the, and Kivior, like I look at Kivior and Xhaka's passing. I mean, they had none basically in the first half. Um, Trossard was their boy on their side, but, and he had some touches and some passes and stuff, but that was from moving centrally and moving to the right-hand side. And that was like, uh, I don't know what it's like to have a collapsed lung. I'm amazed people can function with one lung and the other one's collapsed. But that was like the left side collapsed and only the right side was functioning. Yeah. And which is all part of positional play that kind of pulled them into the right-hand side, and there was this really bright red spot right where Saka would drop down to pick up the ball and kind of move in field, only he didn't really move in field. Mm. Party and Odegaard were buzzing. Like, that was a really bright heat spot on the the heat map, which is perfect, and then you switch it to the other side. Only we didn't. Yeah. Paul, uh, Clive, who's your stock rising? Uh, I'm going to go Ben White, actually. Mm. Uh, I really enjoyed his, his game, and... If you think about the injuries we had in that right-hand slot and how many minutes he's had to play consistently over this period, I think he's really done a good job for his manager. I think he's been one of the most transformative players in our team, along with the, with the new additions and the arrival of Saliba. Ben White's repositioning has been significant on that right-hand side to make to help Odegaard score 15 open-play goals and Saka have the goals and assists that he has. When he's doing that role, he looked great. But I thought at the back, at the centre, back towards the right, I thought he was tremendous. His passing, his composure, I thought he was excellent. And um, He I gave it away a, once when Rams, de- or uh, was it Party fired it at his ankles? And, no, it wasn't and, for him. It's for the goalkeeper. Well, and, he yeah, got, okay. and he got in the way of it. And, yeah. uh, so it wasn't for him. So that was just uh, one mistake. Um I, I just thought he's excellent. He showed real quality throughout the whole game. I, um, so, yeah, for the season, I think he's been um, superb. I think he also showed the potential if we do flip to more of a, you know, a city back three thing. I think him as a central player looks really quite, he shows a lot of leadership there, a lot of composure, a lot of technical ability. And I think this season has made him a better player, more progressive player, braver player. He's technically excellent. We've got our version of John Stones, basically. You can do what you like with him. In fact, he's probably quicker 
not quite as strong as John Stones, but he's quicker and he's as technical. I think he's going to be a tremendous player for the club. Yeah, I like that call. I'll go with Can Gabriel. I say one thing yeah, on uh-huh. White, and we don't need to develop it here. Like, I love him, and I love him carrying the ball, and he's very clever. I do think I've seen him an inordinate number of times get into the final third and not know what to do with the ball. And that's the whole yeah. – when he's – you know when he steps up as a kind of like the center back or the full yeah. back into midfield and he, he dribbles and he carries and he gets to – I don't mean when he overlaps or when he's around Sack. He's super clever there, which makes me think he has the smarts to do it. But he hasn't worked out the map mm-hmm. of what you do if you're central and you carry it up the middle. Well, I, can I can I come in on that? Paul? Yeah, yeah, please. Because we've all we all agree the right body's like top, yeah, just yeah. like mm-hmm. top. No, so what's the difference there? Saka shows his feet all day long. The combination, the, the angled passing off the side is perfection. The timing is like eight out of ten whole season. It's perfection. When you join down the middle, let's hold our hands up here and talk about. Our centre forward showing his feet. Our centre forward being available to show his feet, hold the ball, turn around. Interesting. That's, that's dropped off, hasn't it? So when a player has got the ball under complete control, and we all can see him, he's going up, he's looking at his options, he's got no Martinelli spinning in behind, he's got Trossard running to him, and he's got Gabriel Jesus fighting off a monster with three in a five three in a five four one system, with three centre backs all around him. He's going to pause, mate. He's going to pause and and go out. Because when we went in from the sides with a loose pass, it cost us the goal. So you've got to be very careful if you fire it centrally. Because if you lose it centrally, you can get counted on. So I hear your point, Paul. I think I think it's maybe this. There's a discussion to have, yeah. lads, it wasn't, about it was less forward. about this game, I'd say, Clive. Mm. It, it's kind of, it's something I've noticed when he carries it up the pitch and like, oh, this is great. Here we go. Here we yeah. go. And like, it's probably the same thing. It's the other guys are not used to seeing Ben White streaking up through the center of the pitch with the ball and don't give him the options. But so many times I've thought, ooh, that, that fizzled out. Or, do you see, what, do you see what, I, what I try to say to people or players? When you bust the line... What you should do is slow and then assess and see what happens. If you bust one line and bust two lines, you're sort of out of control. So once he breaks through the first line, he's carrying it. People need to come to him so he can bounce off. And I think what he's doing is showing a lot of composure. I watched Brighton do the same thing last week. Bust line, compose, stand up, wait for commitment, pop it. And I thought he did a good good impression of Brighton today. I, th- I thought he was really good. I'm, I'm, I've got my eyes on centre forward, mate. I've got my eyes on it. I have. Mm. And, um, I don't want to come to a conclusion because the guy transformed our belief structure this year, but we're not showing our boots on centre forward at the moment. We can't find them. Yeah. I, well, I've got some thoughts on why that may have happened when we come to the stock falling section. I also think that when a guy misses a couple of months with a knee injury and comes back and has five goals in seven, but doesn't look quite as good as he did at the start of the season, like, fair enough. You know, fair enough. Uh, my stock rising. I'll go with Gabriel Mangalias. I just think um, he's played with holding to his right and Zinchenko left, Kivior to his right and Tierney left, holding to his right and Tierney left, Ben White to his right and Kivior left, with Jorginho in midfield and Party in midfield. I mean, he's played with all these things. And oh, by the way, Ramsdale probably at the ebb of his form during that time, throwing the ball to you know opposition players and letting them score goals and having to recover when 
we were getting bypassed in midfield. I mean, we were not running back towards our goal and getting bypassed a lot this season. It's happened a lot this run in. He's had to recover. I thought the way he recovered when Odegaard gave the ball away in this game was actually good. And he's unlucky. He covers the distance right. He closes down late and he sweeps in and he kicks the ball away and it goes in off the striker. It's just unlucky. I think Megalia should be good. Not to mention that today he had to step up and distribute a lot. He played a couple of nice little balls on the slant into the center forward position from the center, center back position. Look, he's better when Saliba's standing next to him. Any center back is better when their partner is there for them. That's just the reality. No one's going to look as good next to a worse... No center back is going to look as good next to a worse center back. Um, but he is our... He is the beating heart of this team in some ways. I mean, the way he... You know, he got into that little kerfuffle today. And I thought he handled it well. He stood up for himself. He didn't go over the top. He seems to have control over his emotions. I like the way he chooses when to dive in and when not to. I know he went one time too many against West Ham and cost us a penalty there. By the way, I'll just throw it in now that I'm thinking about it. That's a penalty, I think, when Jesus is pulled down and the fact yeah, that he gets a yellow card for contesting it is just, it's just the Premier League in a nutshell. I don't want to give this penalty, so I'm going to give you a yellow for saying it should be a penalty. It's nonsense, but whatever. I mean, really, really like crying over spilt milk at this point to complain about refereeing. But I, I like Gabriel Magalhaes yep. a lot. I think we can win things with him. I don't think he's the star center back. I think the Van Dyke is Saliba. But look at how other defenders have gone to pieces when they've lost their star center back partner. And and Gabriel has been has been really reliable, really good. And I, I love him. You know? Five? I, I t- yeah, I, I, I think he's been excellent. And he was my he would have been my other pick, Elliot. I think he was I think those two are really good. And what it did make me think, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm just gonna throw it out there, right? Because the game state of this game meant we didn't need Kivior and Shaka in the team because we conceded a goal, and so we we didn't need them in this game. Um, but looking at that back four compared to the back fours that included Holding, I got to say it was there for us. It mm-hmm. was there for us, and we didn't choose it. You know, hindsight, totally hindsight. None of us have seen Kivior play left back. Can you imagine the games left back when when it's a to and fro game, a proper game? Do you know what I mean? Mm. There are options to do other things, and we chose the other way around. And um, if people want to say, Clive, you've got to make sure Arteta gets us top falling, the, the hindsight solutions are staring us in the face, you know? Oh, so, come on, Clive. I mean, I know. People, people have been calling for him to change it, then he changes it, and the change well, doesn't work. At some point, there. here's the reality, right? What if there wasn't a change that would have worked? Yeah. There's always a presumption that a different a different lineup would have made the difference. And like, well, we've tried them, haven't we? You know, Kivior started at center back in the game we lost 3-0 to Brighton at home. And, you know, Holding started games we lost. And Tierney started games we lost. And <laughs> what if there wasn't a solution? Yeah, and it's the whole, especially for a systemsy team, like you can't just change to play the best players you have on the pitch. Like, why did Odegaard fire it into midfield to a player that wasn't there? Well, in part because the players who are normally there aren't there. And like, there's the fog of war, confusion, like, that guy is a very clear-headed guy. Now, I know he's done Mm. it a couple of times recently, but we've had different people in that midfield and around that midfield and when you're so kind of uh, automatisms, you got to be like, I do think there's a criticism to be made 
and something for Arteta to prove in terms of adaptability, flexibility, options, etc. He's just at a very tricky part where he of his career with Arsenal where he has things that work and players who work in it, and then he has things he hasn't yet tried and players that don't work in his existing systems. And it's not easy. F- he hasn't proved that he can, and it's not easy for him to adapt to something new on the day. Okay. L- yeah, uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to say... This Please is, do. We are... We all want rotation. We all want change, but I'm not sure how much we really want it. Because the moment no, no, no. he doesn't we want work rotation, three minutes, but we also still want to play the same great football when we rotate we and it, win. We want it right? exactly we, we don't the want same it to cost us anything. as when we have it with the team that we like. We don't want anyone to be two percent down. We can't accept that. Mm-hmm. You know, we got. We want change in rotation, but not your change in rotation or the manager's change in rotation. The one yeah, I had exactly. in mind that we didn't do. Or you know, when when our when our superstar captain gives the ball away in certain midfield and the game state changes, then all the rotations that we made look stupid. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, uh-oh, we've got the wrong team in the pitch for this game state. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. you, you can't win, right? You can't win. We just gotta, we gotta just uh, keep the good stuff. Be patient. Remember yeah. the good okay. stuff. Stock falling time, and like honestly, was was anybody very good? But let's let's go through it. Uh, Clive, you can have the first shot at whoever you want to kick in the pants. Um, who should I go for? Um. I can give you 10 or 11 options if you need one. Hey, hey mate, this game this game was strange. We, we, yeah, had, we just had the ball the whole time against a deep block once we conceded. So it's not a game. You know, I think it's just a it's a it's attack we defense drill. Right? So that's all it is. And so with that in mind, it's got to be an attacker for me. And um I'm gonna pick it's Trossard or Jesus. Um I'm going to probably pick Trossard. And the reason why, I don't think he held his shape. I don't think he held his width. I don't think he gave the team much. I think he just played where he wanted to play. And the combination with him playing with Jesus doesn't seem to work. Um, It seems to be one or the other. Um, I think Trossard was going to play. I think the manager maybe should have picked Tierney, but because I think Trossard wants to be on the inside and Tierney would have gone on the outside. I say that now because the game state demanded it. Uh, if we'd have gone one and up, two and up, it probably would have been fine having all that centrality and all those touches. When you're 1-0 down, you need to stretch teams, particularly a back five. And I didn't think we showed intelligence there. And I'll be and honest with you, I think he's been excellent since he's come in and he deserved to start more games. He's been almost foot perfect until the Brighton game. And this game, he almost epitomizes people that have lost a bit of spirit because he hasn't looked great, body language or technique or quality or decisions in the last couple of games. So without rushing to conclusion, because I think you're absolutely right, first goal at Brian killed this group, but I think actually the Etihad really did hurt the group and they were holding on to it since then. But Brighton killed the group, so maybe I should just keep relaxed on it, but... A bit disappointed him today because I think he's going to be an important player for us going forward. We need him to have the right attitude. Let's just say he was a bit shit today. Like, I thought he was bad. And he did not stretch. He did not hold his width. One thing you have to do when a team bunkers is you have to stretch them horizontally across the pitch so that they have to pull apart a little bit. He was playing where Jesus would normally be, and Jesus was having to come into the channel, and Saka was getting chalk on his boots. Like, it just... that, That... was why we got so right-sided and like why is Martinelli getting the stock rising? 
basically because we missed that straight running, the running to the byline, the straight runs up and down a touchline, a guy who can play in the fifth channel instead of the fourth or the third, whatever it's called, one of the channels, you get the idea. Uh, yeah, I thought Trissard was poor, and I just thought the tempo of his game. You know what this game reminded me of? It reminded me of the, the worst parts of our scouting video of him. When we scouted him, we really liked him, and I think we were pretty excited to get him, more excited than a Mudrik. The negatives we latched onto were very, very inclined to drift inside and maybe take an extra touch before releasing it, that he that he looks to take the extra touch. And today, we saw that to a T. Drifting inside, an extra touch. I thought his tempo was off. Like, Trissard's been great. Interestingly, I don't think he's been great when he's played on the left. I think he's been great when he plays false nine. He's a player that likes to operate in those central zones, and I thought it was interesting that late in the game he was moved to eight, to left eight, I think he's a player that maybe between the half spaces is better than he is in the half spaces or the wide spaces. Possibly. He's the interior, so, isn't he, mate? He's yeah, he's the interior, interior, isn't he? And yeah. we, need, we need an exterior player in our signing. Absolutely need one. Which, Clive, it, it does raise the question, if you're going to start to start on the left, maybe we needed Tierney as the left back That's in this game. That's yeah, what yeah, I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I know. Um, all right. So, Paul, uh, who's your stock falling? See, uh, my stock falling is, uh, and I don't know if I can make the case on this, but I'm disappointed in Gabriel Jesus for this game. Mm. And I don't think there's any one clear thread of he didn't do this. And yeah, can someone do- explain why? I, I get it. I sort of get it. But what What is it he did or didn't do that other players were doing or could have, you know what I mean? Like, like what, what, did he, what, did, what was he missing? Well, I don't know what he was missing, but I know what he didn't give us. And he mm-hmm. didn't find a way to give us a significant impact. I mean, he grafted, but he's like our superstar striker. Um, Here's what I don't understand, and it's not necessarily his fault. Why didn't he just go to the fucking left wing where Martinelli goes Mm -hmm. and let Trossard drift in, at least for a period of of the game, and give us that width? Like, because at one stage, basically everybody was over on the right-hand side. They had their whole team covering our right. We had our whole team playing there. Um, we had Trossard dropping in, Jesus dropping in. I, I, re, I can see why he was not going to have much impact. But the one thing he would give us is that he can play in any of the three positions. So play in one of the positions we need somebody coming off that left wing. What would that have done for us if they'd had to cover Gabriel Jesus coming off the left wing like Martinelli, right-footed like Martinelli? He can basically do all the things at the same tempo, dribble, run at guys, stretch them open, and have. if Trossard is going to drift inside, he'd bring the... We had players on the left-hand side that basically were not in the game. Kivior and Xhaka were not in the game for most of the game. Trossard was just joining Jesus, crowding the right-hand side. I mean, Jesus likes to swing left anyway if he has somebody to combine with there. So, okay, get way over to the left and stretch it from there. And it's not so much he's responsible for the tactics. It's almost in a game like this when it's going like that, what is the point of a Gabriel Jesus? Because he's not a tall guy you can bang in crosses in. He's a small guy who's going to get pinned by his center back. He needs to find a way of making a difference. And the one way I think he clearly could have changed this game, given that things weren't really going for us, was go and stand, get chalk on your boots on the left-hand side, stretch this defense, and even if you're not the difference maker, you open it up for Saka and Odegaard and White and Party on that side to start weaving your magic instead of having the best part of 10 players 
from from Forrest crowding that side of the pitch where all our talent was. Mm. So it's Clark. more of a what, what's the point of a Gabriel Jesus in a game like this if you don't use all of his capabilities? Yeah, yeah. That is, is that on the manager though, Paul? Yeah, but yeah, like it's not on him. Do you, right? you really so, think? Okay, but do you? Re- I agree in one sense. I, I think that's a possible answer. The other possible answer is players on the pitch. Like if the man, if would the manager give out to Jesus for taking five minutes out on the left hand side and it starts to work and then we go into it and like, but also we just need, it, we just need to flip him, didn't we? That's what we need to do. We need to yeah. flip. Trust and he, need, Jesus. he needs to find answers on the pitch. Like, he ended up doing it by bringing Eddie on in centre forward and he ended up putting uh, Jesus on the left. Uh, by the way, I agree to stop falling, by the way. And the reason why I agree with it is the things that we couldn't <laughs> find his feet. Yep. And some of that was accurate passes, accuracy of passes, sorry. And some of that was you weren't strong enough to hold people off. And you just Jesus into feet. Two touch, sharp spin, turn around, dribble, stop, break someone's ankles. One, two, bang. That edge is gone. He's not even receiving the ball clear, clear closely. And he's doing what I used to criticize Eddie for. Don't quite collect the ball, move the ball late, and then foul somebody. You know, so that tells you this, mate, it's just 2% edge. It's on base of airtime. That's all it is. We, they've got far more to play for than we have. We can't come third, we can't come first. We're sitting there in second, and I'm afraid no motivation, baiting all speech or or bringing in an olive tree is going to fix that, right? It's just basically where we are. We've achieved all we can achieve, and it's, it's a half percent chance we win the league if City lose three games on the trot. People are human, and he's one of those human that needs to bring an edge to the game. And he, he couldn't collect the ball today, and he wasn't spinning, and he wasn't holding. So I would have done what you said, Paul, move Trossard inside and just play Jesus off the left and have him attack people, attack the half space. And um, But we didn't do that. So I think that's down the major. But to be honest, I almost want to say, so what? We've, we're, we're, as long as we're finding stuff out, it's the most important thing. And we're not picking up any more injuries so we have a proper preseason. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah. Um, so the, the thing I'll say about Jesus, just quickly before I do my stock falling, is I just I just don't think the analysis of him in general has been very good because I don't mean you guys, but I mean just generally widely, because I think when you don't win games, everybody just looks at the striker. <laughs> just think that's what happens. Um and it and it is a difficult job we give our center forward because he has to drop in, he has to connect, he's got to get in the box. I mean, look at Lacazette. The guy is gonna beat Killian Mbappe to the golden boot in league league on like you know, it, it's it's bananas. But like, um, I think he's good enough to be our striker. I do. I think he is good enough. I think he has to get over this knee injury. I think we have to go again. I think we have to have all the things in place in position, but I think from a talent and quality standpoint, sure, we might need a plan B, but I think he can be plan A. My stock falling is Thomas Party. Um, I think it is harsh on him given he's playing a position that he's unfamiliar with. But I'll say this Thomas Party, when he's at his best is the best midfielder in the league and maybe Europe. He played central midfield this season at times at a level that made him the best player in Europe at that position. And we came to depend on that. What we've seen with him is that that is not a thing he can do for 3,000 minutes a season, like a Rodri can. Now, that may not be an issue with his 
talent. It may just be an issue with his physiology or it may be an issue with managing him. He was very carefully managed at Atleti. And when winning time came, he was he was there. Um, I think if you look at last season, we didn't have Thomas Party available post interlal, and we finished fifth. We we collapsed. If you look at this season, we had Thomas Party either not available or not really available at the level he'd been post interlal, and we collapsed. I think if you look at these positional football systems, I, I think that player at the hub of midfield, that player who has to do that very difficult job, has a lot of responsibility. And when that player is not there, I don't think you can be as good as you need to be. I, I, th- I don't think Man City have ever looked as good when they, they haven't had that player in that position. You know, they found Rodri, and, and when he plays, they look different. Um, So I think it is a position that we're going to have to look at, not because he's not good enough. We've seen that when he's at his best, he is good enough. But can he be at his best a whole season? I've often said this, and I really believe this. A player who is your best player but only available for 20 games is a massive problem because that means for 18 games, you're playing a backup who isn't close to as good. So you'd almost rather have a a B-plus player for 38 games than an A-plus player for 20 and a C-minus player for 18. It's really hard to balance. Um, I think Rice and Caicedo is the answer this summer. I think it is both. But the thing I'll say about getting Rice is that in theory... You may insulate yourself at three positions, center back, six, left eight. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and like I said, this is this is maybe more a stock falling that has been coming, that's been building in my mind than it is about today. I think, I think that he's a player we depended on. And I don't think we've been able to depend on him at the run-in for the second season in a row. And that's something that we'll have to evaluate um, and see where we go. So... Let's leave it there. I, the last point I'm going to make is just that, like, I've made up my mind. I'm going to remember this season super, super fondly. I'm going to love this season. That's what I'm going to do. Now, some people are going to say, is this season a success? No. This season is not a success. Success is winning the title. This season is progress. It's progress. And, like, progress is really, really good. But... Success is winning the title. So that's where I'm at with this. Um, I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to come back to Clive on the stock falling. I just know he's nodding in agreement. He says it's good. Clive's giving a stock falling on your stock falling. That's a first. In the chat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) looking forward to the main pod tomorrow, guys. There's always another day and another podcast. Let me me just ask you this very, 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 very quickly, Clive. Forget today specifically. Do you think we've seen the sparkling elite party of most of this season that's not a good Elliot question right well, we can all we can all see that his form has dropped yeah and he looked he looked so stiff against Brighton when he came on mm-hmm. but today was not the day for a stock falling there are other players that were more of a stock falling than him um, and to be honest I thought he was fine today and he looked more like himself he did have returning. that one moment where he turned and drove and carried it forward. I, I just he think looked more like himself. That's all. He looked more like himself. And um, and I thought it's very interesting to see him in that position. It made me think, mm, maybe I should have thought about that one a bit sooner. Some people did, but I'm not going to go into massive. Uh, well, he wasn't lawyer running diff- the touchline. You didn't want him running the touchline. No, I, didn't really want, I, I wanted touchline. him playing like a an invert. You know, yeah. being a midfielder. One hundred and thirty-five touches in a yeah. game where we had a lot of possession. I'm not looking at that as a, as a stock falling. Our left eight, by the way, was completely redundant in the game. 
completely done it. I forgot game. he played. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> our, our game state just completely <laughs> obliterated him, made him a non-entity. Yeah, you know. And I think what the situation we have to look at is that position. I am so perplexed by it. What what that position looks like. You know, you know, it's, it seems to be an off the ball position. It seems a position where it's almost like a decoy. And everything on the right side and the central six is so important. But that position, it's not a high touch. It's a 50 touch position. It's a high, it's not a high touch. There's, that position is to be defined. It's it a really weird, is. It's a weird time of season too, though, right? Because like the guy who is pretty close to Newcastle by all accounts didn't start today. And the guy who's pretty close to Bayer Leverkusen has come off early in the last two games after not yeah. really looking himself. So Which it, I spoke be, about before yeah. about the lineup, about contractual yeah. situations, opportunity, protecting sales. These things come into people's mind when you cannot move in the league table. They honestly, they yeah. do. You know, uh, we can't afford injuries to people who are going to sell. You know, yep. so that's the way it works, right? So sales fall down. So politics of football, it's not all what you see. It's decisions are sometimes made in the mahogany rooms, right? So yeah. I'm, I didn't, I, I, I held back from defending parties recent form because it's obvious to me he slowed down, but I didn't think today was an issue. That's just my opinion. But hey, look. Yeah. Yep. And like I said, I am, I am committed to loving this season. That's where I stand. If, if you don't want to, you don't have to. Football is about two things. It is about stretches of time and it's about very short periods of time. Like I I will never tell any fan don't care about a game. Like the game matters. We lost it. We played poorly. You can be mad about that. I'm just, I'm going to hold on to the things I loved about this season. And I'm going to try to remember that last season ended in a very disappointing fashion. And we went on to be excellent to start this one. So it's worth, worth keeping in mind. Let's leave it there. Pause on Twitter. Pause my pants. Pause. Woohoo. Clubs on Twitter, Clubs on Twitter. Thank you very much. My name is Mindy Bobby on Twitter. We love you. Thanks for being pinned. We love you. Talk to you after Arsenal 10 Wolfdale.